0: Alright, welcome everyone to He's Done It, a Mostly Sports Podcast. I'm Corey Novotny, and I'm joined today, as always, by Benjamin Carlson and Brian
1: Wells. This week is the start of our 2019 NFL season preview series. We will kick things off by discussing the AFC East and NFC East divisions Can anyone slow down the Patriots in their quest for an 11th straight divisional crown? Are Carson Wentz and the Eagles in better position than Dak Prescott in the Cowboys? We answer those questions and more in the first of our four-part series. But before we preview the
2: two East divisions, we talk about contract holdouts, headlined by running backs Ezekiel Elliott and Melvin Gordon, whom are both threatening to sit out longer than just training camp. Finally, we'll wrap up today's show by counting down our favorite NFL jerseys in today's top five. He's done it!
0: So welcome back to He's Done It. We've had a little bit of a break here since our last episode, and especially a long break for Ben because he wasn't on that episode. But the three of us are back, and we are ready to start our 2019 NFL season preview. We're going to kick things off today by giving our divisional previews to the AFC East and the NFC East. But before we get into that, let's start with our main topic for today's episode, and that is contract holdouts. So we're going to get things kicked off with two running backs who are both on their rookie deals, and they're looking to get paid while they're still young and at the top of their positions in a very volatile position. Those are Ezekiel Elliott of the Dallas Cowboys and Melvin Gordon of the Los Angeles Chargers. Zeke says he's not going to play without a new contract. Sounds like Gordon isn't either, as he's already requested a trade from the Chargers. What do you guys make of them? Do they deserve to get paid, and are they doing... Uh, a reasonable move by sitting out training camp and threatening to sit it even longer.
1: I understand their motivation. Uh, they play a position where you get beat up a lot, and they've played well enough where their contracts don't reflect their value currently. But I also understand the point of the uh, the clubs that they play for not wanting to pay them because even though they're very, they're some of the best at their position, you don't have to have an elite running back to be a successful franchise.
2: I'm not going to try to predict whether or not either of these guys are going to sit this season or not, but my opinion for the Cowboys, I think they should sign Zeke to a long extension. Uh, I think he had the second most scrimmage yards last year outside of Saquon, and the Cowboys are a run-first team, and I think having Alfred Morris as the lead back for all 16 games would really be a disaster, and as much as I love Amari Cooper, I know that uh the the cowboys offense runs runs through zeke and i think zeke going from or dropping off from zeke to alfred morris is a much bigger drop off than levion is to james conner
0: so when you look at the cowboys over the past few years it's it's hard to Uh, look at what Ezekiel Elliott has done and say that he hasn't made a huge impact on that team, Uh, getting them to the playoffs two out of three years, as well as winning a playoff game last year and going toe-to-toe with the Los Angeles Rams in LA. Uh, The thing with Zeke, though, is he doesn't really have all that much leverage when it comes to threatening to sit out, because he's only entering his fourth year. He can't become a free agent, like Melvin Gordon can. And by sitting out, he's just going to delay his contract. Now, he has the option of showing up week 10, something we thought Le'Veon Bell would have to do last year. But does he really want to throw away half a season after already missing six games due to a suspension a few years ago? Now, ideally, Jerry Jones does decide to, to pay Ezekiel Elliott as the number one running back in football, which I think he deserves to be, but when he has those two years left on his deal, you look at what Todd Gurley getting paid in the same sim- situation by the Rams, and they got to be questioning that, just given the way he he uh, had his injury toward the end of the season and definitely did not look the same when he tried to play. So, I I think that Dallas is going to get a contract done for him, but I don't blame them for being hesitant to paying him now when they can just do the same thing a year from now
2: another thing to bring up Ezekiel Elliott he might be one of the best running backs in the league but who, how much of that is because of his talent and how much of it is because of how good the Cowboys offensive line was I mean DeMarco Murray in his last season with the Cowboys was amazing but after he left Dallas and went to Tennessee he really did pretty much nothing after that and uh and retired
1: And and Zeke's not the only person who needs to get paid for the Cowboys. They've still got to worry about having money for Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper. Um, I'm not exactly sure if they have enough to keep all three, but it's definitely something to keep in mind.
0: It seems like it would be crippling to pay all three of them, especially after already paying Demarcus Lawrence, their pass rusher, as much as they did. Uh, When you, I guess, turning the attention of Melvin Gordon here. So Gordon was offered $10 million a year. We don't know what Elliot has been offered if he's been offered anything but Gordon still turned that down that would be money that make him the fourth highest paid running back in the league I don't think that Gordon is any higher than the fourth best running back in the league so I think it's kind of crazy that he's turning down this money from an organization like the LA Chargers who seem to be in really good position having won 12 games last year Uh, They wound up as a wild card, but they certainly could be a big threat in the AFC West to the Chiefs again this season. And he's running a risk that not playing. Maybe he doesn't end up breaking the bank in a similar way that Le'Veon Bell didn't get as much as uh, it was previously thought he could. And in terms of being traded, who knows what kind of situation he would go to.
1: Well, it's also a contract year for Melvin Gordon, so I, I don't know. If, if he really wants to get that big contract, it could be possible to just dominate again and then get paid in next offseason.
2: In my opinion, I don't think the Chargers should extend uh, Melvin Gordon, and I think they're, the Chargers offense definitely has enough weapons, and even though Zeke to Mel, uh, Alfred Morris is a big drop-off, I don't think the Chargers are, have a big drop-off when you go from uh, Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler, and Justin Jackson as a running back committee. And I trust Philip Rivers more than Dak Prescott, uh, you know, throwing the ball. Uh, so they have plenty of weapons, and I don't think that Melvin Gordon is a huge loss if they don't have him the rest of the year.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with that. I don't envision the Chargers upping their offer of $10 million to Gordon. I think it's just a matter of do they send him to another team or just let him sit out and become a free agent in a similar manner that the Steelers did with Le'Veon Bell. So, if we look at a couple other guys that are holding out, uh, we have Jadavian Clowney for the Houston Texans. So he was had the franchise tag applied to him. Every other player in the NFL who had the franchise tag given to them was either traded or came to a long-term agreement before the deadline. That didn't happen with Clowney and the Texans. That being said, he says he plans on eventually showing up. I think he said the the third preseason game is around the, the time that he will end up being there. Houston has a great pass rusher in J.J. Watt, but is having Watt and Clowney just more than they need, or do you guys think that the Texans should pay a guy who, after two disappointing injury-riddled years, has been one of the best in the league.
1: Well, I uh, I went back and looked at Clowney's uh, box uh, stats. And uh, just to remind you guys, he's only played 16 games once in his five years. So he's, uh, he's definitely had those injury concerns. He has yet to record a double-digit sack season um obviously missing games doesn't help you get to that but still if he's gonna be touted as one of these elite pass rushers then uh you would like to see him get to double digits obviously you know picking double digits he's got nine and a half in a season so he's a good pass rusher but i think that the franchise tag is made for guys who are in this position where he obviously has a lot of potential he hasn't been bad uh he's been a good player uh but i think giving him another season to or giving the texans another season uh Of time to decide if he's worth the money or not is perfect. It's mutually beneficial. Clowney gets top, you know, close to the top money for another year, guaranteed, and the Texans can evaluate and make that decision. If he plays amazingly this season, I'd think the Texans will like sign him uh, to a big money contract.
2: My question with Clowney is how much of an impact does he really make for the Texans? Yes, he's a great pass rusher, and you guys are both South Carolina, Carolina alumni, and you guys can talk about how dominant he was there but I mean if they don't have him they're probably missing the playoffs at like seven and nine or eight and eight but they but if he is there the entire year at healthy the entire year I mean how much how much does he really help the Texans in the postseason like they probably are a 10 and 6 team and maybe division champs but are they really getting past the wild card or divisional round even with him? And if, on if Clowney
0: is really the difference maker in two or three wins, then I think he's absolutely worth uh, paying as much money as he wants. I, I don't think but he can, has but that.
2: Can they, get, can they get past the Patriots, the Chiefs, and other elite teams in the, in the AFC? The Texans with... certainly
0: have a lot of holes. I think that their defense took a big loss when they uh, didn't really replace uh, Tyron Matthew with a player of equivalent skill. And I think Clowney is very important to their defense. But I agree, this this Texans team is—they've you know, made the playoffs in the in recent years. But I don't know if they're necessarily a Super Bowl contender because of Clowney. And you're—you'd be investing a lot of money in one position by paying him. So if the Texans don't feel like he can be that transcendent player for them and they aren't going to pay him i think that they should consider trading him because i'm sure that there's a team who'd be willing to offer a, a fairly high draft pick even if it's just for the one year and from there hoping to to pay him long term
1: yeah i totally agree uh, i still think clowny ha- we have yet to see the best version of Clowney in the nfl uh, but obviously a lot of homerism coming mm-hmm. from me uh gamecock living in columbia
0: yeah, i certainly want him to do well i want him to succeed and and get the money just because of the the Gamecocks connection and the thing with Clowney is yeah he he's only played one 16 game season so far but he the difference in the past two years versus his first two seasons is pretty huge and if you just base him off what he's done for you lately then I don't know if you need to be as concerned as you were right after being drafted.
2: I'm not saying it's impossible for Clowney to make that big of an impact for the Texans and Game over the hump and maybe getting to the divisional or AFC Championship game, but I mean, we, okay, we've seen Aaron Donald bring the Rams to the Super Bowl. We've seen Khalil Mack maybe not get that far in the postseason with the Bears, but he certainly made an impact for that team last season. The Bears were the best defense, in my opinion, in the whole league last year. But I just think there are just too many holes around that that roster. I mean, it's just Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins really on that offense. With a couple other subpar players as well, but I just think there are just too many holes on that roster.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll certainly get into the Texans uh, in a couple weeks in terms of a, a team that won the division and looks like they're in a pretty tough one this year. But let's move on to uh, the last guy who's still holding out, and this is a guy who plays for a team that we're we're going to discuss today, and they certainly do have holes. Uh, that's Trent Williams, offensive lineman for the Washington Redskins. He's been in the Pro Bowl the last seven seasons. He's been one of the the main stars for a team that really hasn't had a whole lot of success since he's been there. But apparently, he's lost trust in the Redskins as a franchise because of the way they handled an injury to him. Now, there's certainly a belief that he is interested in more money as well than uh, compared to the twenty million he's still due over the last two years of his contract but it just seems like the kind of thing that if it's going to happen to any franchise the Redskins will be near the top of the list of who you would think
1: yeah this is this is tough for the Redskins they absolutely need him uh especially with their quarterback situation right now uh not you know if you are going to put Dwayne Haskins out there you're going to want to keep him in good shape and have your best pass protector uh holding things down anchoring that line um so i I think he has plenty of leverage to, to make some demands here.
2: He has all the leverage there. The Redskins are probably going to be, they, you can make a case for the Redskins being the worst team this upcoming season. I mean, their QB situation is a mess. They, their defense is really so-so. And I mean, what Trey Williams? I mean, I think it's either get paid more or trade me. <laughs> That's it. I don't think there's, he has all the leverage.
0: Yeah, and I, I think if he really doesn't want to play for them again because of the the lost trust, then it, it makes sense that the, the Redskins will kinda of be forced to trade him or have to pay him a exorbitant amount of money compared to what he's already owed. So if you're you're looking at a guy like Williams, yeah, he's been great, but he also has some injury and suspension concerns. But yeah, I agree with the Redskins quarterback situation, which we're going to get into, that having Trent Williams anchoring that offensive line could be pretty important for them this season if they want to have any chance of success. So, uh, with that, let's get into our first divisional preview. And we'll be starting off with the AFC East. The, The big question that we're going to answer is... Which team has the best chance of challenging the Patriots this season? Now, New England has won the division 11 years in a row. They really haven't had to sweat it out too many times during that run of theirs. And it certainly looks like the defending Super Bowl champions are the clear favorites to win the division. But between the the New York Jets, Buffalo Bills, Miami Dolphins, is there anyone that you can see you know, maybe being a little bit of a threat to New England's claim to the AFC East
2: so it's like you said the Patriots they're very very likely going to win the division it's just a matter of which team is going to make uh the biggest competition in the AFC East and when I look at this division uh with the Dolphins they have a new coach in Brian Flores who was uh on the defensive staff for the Patriots last season and uh certainly helped the Patriots uh in that division or not the division but Winning Super Bowl 53 and only giving up three points to the Rams. And when I look at the offensive side, it's Ryan Fitzpatrick and Josh Rosen just throwing interceptions constantly. And they really don't have many other weapons to throw to other than Kenny Stills and uh, Jakeem Grant and stiffs like them. And then when I look at the Bills, I mean, Josh Allen, he's really more of a scrambler than a pocket passer. And they haven't really done anything ever since they made that, the playoffs a couple years ago when they just lost to the Jags in the, in the wild card round. And John Brown and Cole Beasley aren't really going to make an impact on their team. The Jets, though, however, I think not only can finish second in the division, I think they have a chance at making the playoffs. Not only do they get Le'Veon Bell as a three-down back, and I still think he's one of the best running backs in the league, even though he missed all of last season. They get C.J. Mosley, who's who is probably one of the best, if not the best uh, free agent on the defensive side of the ball. And they get another target, Jamison Crowder, who is only going to help Sam Darnold improve from his rookie season.
1: Oh, yeah. No, don't forget. They added Ryan Khalil, got him to come out of uh, retirement and uh, Kalichi Osemele, is am I, am I pronouncing that right? Uh, the guard from the Raiders that they uh, that they got with a trade, I believe. Am I saying that correctly? Uh, I couldn't tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, either way, he's a Pro Bowl guard, and uh, that's only going to help Sam Darnold improve. Uh, He had an okay rookie season, but he looked like a leader out there. He looked like somebody you could uh, build a team around. Uh, But also, that D-line, they added and Williams, and we'll see how quickly he makes an impact. That uh, Jamal Adams is one of my favorite safeties in the league, and uh, I I think he'll continue to improve. Plus, they've got Tremaine Johnson. I mean, they just have... Uh, talent, uh, and if they can put that talent to good use, I think the Jets have the best chance of beating the Patriots. I still would take the Patriots over the Jets, but uh, they look—the Jets look the, to improve.
2: Yeah, the, the Jets aren't winning the division, but they certainly can make a make competition in that division, and possibly make the playoffs.
0: Realistically, none of these teams are going to. They all have flaws in them, and if you just look at how things have gone historically, it's tough to buy into any of these teams. Part of me wants to make a case for the Buffalo Bills over the Jets. And the biggest reason that I look at is their head coach, Sean McDermott, has playoff experience. Adam Gase, the new head coach of the Jets, was worse and worse every year, it seemed like, with the Miami Dolphins. But like you said, the Jets added a bunch of talent this offseason. Free agency, building your rosters around it in the NFL doesn't usually work, and I think it's fair to say that the Jets will be regretting some of the contracts that they handed out in the long term. But when you look at the short term, they put guys around Sam Darnold and uh, running back Le'Veon Bell certainly, uh, as well as wide receiver Jameson Crowder, and then a couple guys on the offensive line that we just uh, Ben just mentioned with Osmelli and uh, Khalil. And then on defense, they brought in C.J. Mosley through free agency. They drafted Quinton Williams, who, that number three pick in the draft, he could easily be the, the top talent in that entire draft. So I do think that the Jets team will be improved compared to past seasons, but a lot of it is going to come down to how well Sam Darnold can uh, acclimate after his first season was a, a bit of a up and down, and Realistically, I think that the Jets and Bills, their, their ceiling is a nine, maybe 10-win team that competes for a wild card berth, and uh, neither of those teams are going to be a legitimate threat for the Patriots in the division, especially if you just look at the Patriots' schedule. After opening with the Steelers, they get the Dolphins, Jets, Bills, Redskins, Giants, and Jets again there's a good chance that they could start the season 7-0 and with uh, Cleveland, Baltimore, Dallas, the Eagles, the Texans coming up after that, and then the Chiefs. So the Patriots are in a great position to uh, once again win at least 11 games like they did last year, and it's going to take uh, almost a miracle for any team to really put up a fight with them. So uh, let's talk about the, the next topic here. That is, what new addition to the AFC East division this season will have the biggest impact. So Brian, as the the resident AFC East fan with the Patriots, we'll let you start off.
2: So for the Patriots, I think the the players or players that I think can make the biggest impact will be Michael Bennett and Jamie Collins. Jamie Collins was a part of that Super Bowl 49 team that beat the Seahawks a few years ago in the Super Bowl. And, Michael Bennett was on the other side of that, uh, the other side of the uh, roster, uh, helping the Seahawks almost win back-to-back Super Bowls. And I think both are going to be huge parts of the Patriots' defense. That was pretty good to end of the season last year. Again, only giving up three points to the Rams in the Super Bowl. And outside of those, outside of the Patriots, I think the biggest impact, uh, po- or player that can make the biggest impact, I think it's too easy to say Le'Veon or C.J. Mosley. But I think Jam- Jameson Crowder can really help Sam Darnold. Uh, I think Sam Darnold was more he was more comfortable throwing to slot receivers more than throwing the deep ball, th- throwing the deep balls to Robbie Anderson. Robbie Anderson really didn't have much of an impact until late in the season when it, the games really didn't matter. But he really did trust Quincy and in the first month or so of the season, probably averaged like eight nine targets a game. And Jameson Crowder is really really someone that. Excels in the slot, and he did that a ton when he was with the Redskins for the past few seasons. So, uh, taking out my Homer bias for the Patriots, if you ask me, who, which player makes the biggest impact outside of the Patriots? I will go with Jameson Crowder, and another player. I another player to mention uh, with the Patriots kind of lacking weapons outside of Julian Edelman on offense. I think Nikhil Harry, who was their first round pick this season is going to have to make an immediate impact on their roster since Gronk is no longer there. Josh Gordon is still smoking weed, and they lose Chris Hogan. I mean, he might be their second-best receiver already, and he's only a rookie. And Demaryius Thomas is another guy who's pretty much at the end of his career. So Nikhil Harry has to probably has to be uh, not superstar good, but he has to be another secondary uh, weapon outside of Julian Edelman for the Patriots offense. So I know I rattled off like yeah, four yeah, guys. Yeah, so Brander
0: shows like six guys, Ben. But uh, <laughs> can, can you can you follow it up? Maybe expand on someone or come up with a, a new name there.
1: Well, yeah, and mine is, mine is admittedly bold, but I think it would be interesting if I was right. Um, I think the biggest impact addition could be Josh Rosen. To the Miami Dolphins, and they brought in a wily veteran in Fitzpatrick to, I think, guide them into the next era of Miami Dolphins football, but if you're a Dolphins fan, you don't want to see Fitzpatrick too much. You want to see Josh Rosen pay off and be the quarterback of the future for you, and if he can be a consistent starter and get some quality wins and uh, get that front office to trust him with the keys to the franchise, I think that'd be huge for the Miami Dolphins Dolphins who have been stuck in the Ryan Tannehill era for far too long and if Josh Rosen can be that quarterback that Cardinals fans thought he could be you know they're like oh we're just we'll just get through this season it's okay that we suck we can uh he's gonna be good in the future well it's the future and let's see if he can do it uh for the Miami Dolphins
0: yeah I really like I was gonna uh, say I really like that answer Brian I'll let you talk before I go I was just gonna
2: say my one problem with Rosen is as much as people like him. I mean, how how much is it going to hurt that he has to deal with another defensive minded head coach and is in an offense that really has not many great weapons? How much is it going to hurt him possibly again uh, being thrown into the fire?
0: Well, I think one thing about the Rosen thing in terms of how he could have the biggest impact is Ben just talked about the scenario in which Rosen shows that he is the quarterback of the future for the Dolphins. But if he's given the keys to this team, and there's reason to believe that the Dolphins will be the worst, if if you know at least near the bottom, just given the way that they handled their offseason and committed to this uh, idea of not being mediocre. But if he comes out and he shows that he is not the guy to the future then that, that's another great scenario for Miami because there are other guys in next year's draft that they could be in position to select. So I, I think that's a really good answer in terms of uh, Josh Rosen. I think it'll be interesting to see how much he plays versus uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, who he's a guy that we know he can throw five touchdowns in a game and he can throw five interceptions in the next week. Ideally, he repeats the same performance he did with the Bucs last year by beating the Ravens and the Patriots week one and two. And then from there falls off and uh, Josh Rosen can take over, but I I do think that Josh Rosen could have a big impact whether it's by playing really well or by playing not well at all. Uh, So a name that I'm going to throw out, uh, a team that none of you guys have have really talked too much about, uh, I'm going to look ahead at the Buffalo Bills. So the Jets made a lot of flashy additions in free agency. The Bills... Their biggest free agency addition, you could say, is Mitch Morse, uh, who they made, uh, I believe, the highest paid center in the league. Uh, But I'm going to look at one of the the weapons that they added for uh, their quarterback, Josh Allen, and that is wide receiver John Brown. So Brown broke out in 2015, 1,000 yards receiving, 65 catches, seven touchdowns with the Cardinals and Carson Palmer, and it looked like he was a, a potential star in the making, but his final two years in Arizona were not nearly as good and he winds up going to the Ravens last year. And he quietly put up the the second best season of his career with 42 catches for 715 yards, five touchdowns. If we zone in on those numbers a little closer, there is a clear difference between Joe Flacco as his quarterback and Lamar Jackson toward the end of the season. as uh, Of those 34 catches, 601 yards, four touchdowns. Almost all of his work was with Flacco at quarterback. And while Josh Allen may have led the Bills in rushing last season, I don't think it's fair to say that he is uh, more comparable to Lamar Jackson than he is to big arm Joe Flacco. So if John Brown can come in, he was the, uh, I think, 54% of the Ravens' yards through the uh deep ball last year if he can come in and be someone who's not just a deep threat for Allen but also be very versatile and step up as a number one receiver and based on what he's been doing so far in Bill's training camp it seems like the coaching staff believes that I think he could be a huge weapon for Josh Allen and that could be a what it takes for the Bills to have a a legitimate offense that could be competitive this season and then continue to be good long term. So, John Brown's a guy that I'm looking out for a lot this year.
2: My only issue with that is that he's playing with another quarterback who is probably proven more uh, as a runner than as a thrower. How
0: and- much of that was because the Bills just forced him into making plays with his feet versus actually being able to just sit in the pocket and throw the ball? That I mean we'll see maybe you're right yeah Yeah,
2: exactly but
0: I mean that that's my thought is that with with a guy who has a big arm having a deep receiving threat John Brown could be what Josh Allen needs and that's what the bills are banking on that's why they paid him this offseason to come in and probably be their number one receiver
1: Just before we move on, I just want to slide this in there. Uh, The Bills also added Frank Gore, who only needs about 500 yards to become the number three all-time rusher in NFL history. Uh, And I absolutely think he can do it. Uh, And if John Brown helps to stretch the field and open up the run game a little bit more, then uh, more power to him. I'd love to see Frank Gore move up to number three.
0: Yeah, Frank Gore just just keep going, and I, I certainly think it's possible. Uh, for him to continue to have that kind of success with Buffalo.
1: He must be doing the TB12 method. (laughs) I was literally just about to say that word
2: for word. He must be doing the (laughs) TB12 method.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So the the last topic of conversation for the AFC East, uh, this is going to focus on each individual team. We're going to go through and say who or what will determine a successful season for each team in the AFC East. Uh, let's start alphabetical order with the Buffalo Bills.
2: Well, I've kind of said it twice already. Can Josh Allen prove himself as a pocket passer and a deep threat more than just as a runner?
1: Yeah, I'll I'll tack on to that. I think Josh Allen is the focus uh, this season. Can he be healthy and productive for 16 games? I think that would be a successful season.
0: Yeah, I think Josh Allen is certainly just a, a good catch-all here. I think overall... In terms of that offense, the offensive line is a big thing that I think is going to be important for Buffalo. Uh, they paid a lot of money to Mitch Morse. He has some injury concerns right now. I think if the Bills want to have success, they have a lot of running backs. They have a quarterback who they believe a lot in. They need to have their offensive line uh, be able to protect him, be able to get the running game going, and then from there you know, hope that they, they have an offense that's good enough to compete both in the short term and the long term. So let's uh, now talk about the Miami Dolphins.
1: Um, This is kind of just going off what I said earlier. And and I think you're right. Originally, I was going to say, Josh, figuring out that Josh Rosen is the QB of the future. But I think better just knowing if Josh Rosen is the QB in the future, because if he totally crashes and burns and is like a total waste, that's. Obviously, a wasted season. But if they can comfortably move on from him and Fitzpatrick, and, and you know invest in the next prospect, uh, then I think that's a successful season as well. I'll go with how much does
2: uh, new head coach Brian Flores uh, help the Miami Dolphins? I mean, I'm not expecting him to completely turn around the Miami Dolphins and have them win a division out of nowhere, but uh, I want to see if he was a great coach for the Patriots and made a big impact, or if he's just another one of these Belichick disciples that just ends up burning to the ground and you never hear from him again.
0: Yeah, I I do think that uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Brian Flores because you do look at the Belichick coaching tree and it it hasn't had too much success, but I'm going to agree with Ben. It's just a matter of is Josh Rosen the future for this team? And if he's not, be, finishing with the worst record could be considered a success for Miami because that puts them in a position to draft whatever quarterback they believe is going to lead the franchise for the future, whether it's Tua Tagovailoa, Justin Herbert, Jake Fromm, or a surprise candidate that emerges this season. So next up, the New England Patriots.
2: Uh, so for the Patriots, I think it's the biggest thing is how much does the loss of Gronk uh hurt the Patriots offense because even though he was a shell of himself last season he was an awesome run blocker and he helped Sony Michel late in the season become a big part of their offense and who knows if Sony Michel can improve on last season with losing Gronk and not only is it bad that they lost Gronk but Benjamin Watson is now suspended and they really don't have much tight end depth uh, outside of those guys so I want to see what their offense looks like running and throwing the ball uh, without Gronk in their offense
1: well I think uh, I mean when you're talking about the Patriots and whether or not they're going to have a successful season it's Super Bowl or bust you don't know how many more years the GOAT is got Um, seemingly unlimited but I think every year you've got him you're you're shooting for the top so for me a successful season for the Patriots is ring number seven and if anything else is a failure
0: I think in terms of getting to that Super Bowl and having that ultimate success, it's going to come down to the running game. Tom Brady, 42 years old. He continues to have success that is unprecedented. And a lot of that is because Bill Belichick continues to develop this offense around his capabilities. And He's not the same kind of deep threat that he has been, but when you have Sony Michelle, James White, Rex Burkhead, Damian Harris, their third round running back uh, pick, they have guys who can carry the load and they can have the great running back by committee they've always had and be able to move the ball on the ground. And then that just opens up for Brady, whether it's on his short passes or trying to go a little bit extending the field. I think the running game is really going to determine the Patriots, and that's going to continue to be the story as Brady continues to play in this league. All right, so let's uh, move on to our NFC division this week, and we'll keep it in the East.
2: Jets. Wait, oh, wait, you're Jets? right, the Jets. Okay, sorry. And
0: then finally, <laughs> let's uh, the New York Jets, what will determine their success this season?
2: Um, I hate to s- stick with the quarterback theme, but I can... Sam Darnold improved from his rookie season. He had 15 interceptions last season, and now he's been given Jamison Crowder and Le'Veon Bell in their offense. So it's really up to Sam Darnold if he can improve on last season or if he is a bust.
1: I uh, I think they should aim for the playoffs. Can they make the playoffs? Um, that would be a tremendous season for them. Um, but... Still, I think it's it's possible with all the additions that they've made. If if all their additions are true additions and not subtractions, uh, I think that the playoffs is a good place to target.
0: And I think if they're going to get to the playoffs, uh, like Brian said, it's going to come down to Sam Darnold. They brought in a ton of guys. They've given him uh, a much better team than they had last year. And now's the question is, is he worth the number three pick? Was he worth the investment they made trading up to get him? Is he the quarterback of the future? And if uh, Sam Darnold comes out and improves in year two and shows that he is that guy for them, then I think that'll determine their success this season, uh, potentially get them into the playoffs. If not, give them hope that they'll be there sooner rather than later, because that's something that Jets fans really need because they have not had that in recent years. All right. So now let's uh, move on to our NFC division. Staying in the East, we have the Cowboys, Eagles, Redskins, and Giants, four of the the most heated rivals in NFL history. I think it's fair to say that two of them are in pretty good shape when it comes to their their quarterbacks in Dak Prescott with the Cowboys and Carson Wentz with the Eagles, whereas the Giants and Redskins, they made first-round investments in Daniel Jones and Dwayne Haskins, respectively, for a reason. That being said, which team in the division should be the most concerned about their quarterback situation right now?
2: Well, it's like you said, the Cowboys, I mean, yes, Dak, is, Dak Prescott is not the best quarterback in the league, but you can do much worse than him at quarterback. And yes, the Eagles lose Nick Foles in the offseason, but you weren't going to keep both those guys. And you had to pick one. And even though Wentz has been injury prone, you really can't predict injuries, and He's definitely he's obviously the future for their team, so it's definitely not the Eagles. And when you, when I look at the Giants, yes, Daniel Jones was no question a reach at drafting him at number six, but it is just going to be Eli and Daniel Jones. And I think Eli is more willing to help him uh, become the next guy rather than Brett Favre with Aaron Rodgers when he he was like it's no it's not my job to mentor him. Uh, so there'll definitely be a lot of pressure on Daniel Jones but it is just going to be up to those two. Uh, you don't have to worry about anyone, anyone else at quarterback, but when I look at the Redskins, I mean, Alex Smith end, ends up having a cr- horrible injury at the end of last season. Colt McCoy, who's been a career backup, uh, is now the number one guy in their depth chart. And then Case Keenum, he had one good year in Minnesota, but hasn't really done anything since. And then Dwayne Haskins, yes, he's their future, and he they drafted him at 15th overall, but He's a rookie. And I mean, do we expect him to have come in and be RG three or Deshaun Watson in his rookie season? I mean, I mean, if they're banking on that, I wouldn't feel good, feel great about it. So having three questionable options at quarterback to begin the year is not ideal at all. So it's definitely the Redskins, in my opinion.
1: Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go. I think a bit contrarian here and uh, go with someone who you said it's definitely not, which is the Eagles. And I, I know I say that. <laughs> I know you can't predict injuries, but if I had to predict a quarterback in the NFC East that was going to get injured, it would definitely be Carson Wentz. And uh, and again, so that's not like a for sure thing. And if he is healthy, he's a great option to have at quarterback, a former MVP candidate. But if he does get injured, then what? You don't. You have, can say that about you, you don't can have say Nicole. that about half the teams, though probably. No, no. Well, you, well, sure. Yes, and most teams are screwed. But well, you're saying, but you're get, saying that if he about a contending team. Well, sure, but even I mean, any team. You could argue the Niners weren't contenders last season, but as soon as they lost Jimmy, they were completely out of it. Most teams are like that. But what I'm saying is, if he gets another season ender, where do you go from here? Three seasons in a row where he can't make it through, and and again, this is a big if. Should he get right. hurt? But I think that the the Giants the t- time is on their hands they're not expecting to be good now the Redskins same thing Dwayne Haskins they're hoping is a future if he's not good this season it, you don't necessarily have to worry about it and I I think Dak Prescott is again not the best but still a solid option in uh, Dallas but I just worry about the health of Carson Wentz uh, because it has been such a uh, liability so far and if it happens again I don't know what you do as the Eagles
2: you play Nate Sudfeld, right? <laughs> and you go to the Super Bowl. He, he's no yeah, right? Nick
1: Foles. And, uh, you know, that, I agree
0: with Ben on that one. I, I wanted to jump in there, but I, I decided to play the moderator, and you beat me to it. I think the Eagles should be most concerned. Like you said, yeah, the Giants and Redskins don't have ideal quarterback situations, but they don't have reason to believe they're going to be successful. The Eagles just handed Carson Wentz $32 million a year. Regardless of uh, the whole injury concern if he gets hurt this year, he did not look like the MVP quarterback last season coming back from that torn ACL uh, that he did in 2017 before he got hurt. Is that just a case of him being slow to get back or is he really just not going to be the same guy? Because uh, for the Eagles, not having Nick Foles to fall on, if something does happen to Wentz, it's got to be very concerning for them. Now, the fact that they paid Wentz tells me that they're not as concerned as uh, Ben and I might be. But I absolutely think the Eagles should be the most concerned heading into 2019, at least until Carson Wentz shows that he can both stay healthy and get back to the MVP type quarterback he was before his big injury. And if I look from a long term, I think next year we could be saying the Cowboys because while Dak Prescott is a uh, you said you can do so much worse than him if they do pay him that could certainly be pretty crippling for them Uh, if you look around the league and other teams who paid less than elite quarterbacks big money it doesn't usually work out but for for this season alone I'm gonna go ahead and say the Eagles should be the most concerned about their quarterback situation
2: I knew you guys were gonna say the Eagles and I get it I just think that it's just so hard to predict injuries in the league it can happen to any anyone in the league any quarterback any player and I I just think the ACL one against the Rams two years ago, that was kind of fluky. And you know what? Maybe maybe he could just stop running so much and make more smart smarter decisions uh, in the pocket. And I, I guess I'm more hopeful that he can stay healthy than you guys. You, you know, to
0: torn stay. ACLs are absolutely fluky, but he did miss Sakeem's last five games last season. So it's not like it was just the the one ACL injury that has has slowed him down. He now has a history of injuries, so I, I, that's that's a big concern right there. Is uh can he actually recover the health? And if he does, you're right, they shouldn't be concerned like because he has proven he can be an MVP candidate in the past. It's just a matter of uh you know walking on eggshells until that happens.
2: I was thinking about picking the Eagles because the Eagles are contenders and the Redskins are obviously not. I just think the Redskins' QB situation is worse than any in the league, and and like I said before, I'm more hopeful than you guys about once. No, this
0: year. I'm actually going to jump in and say that the Redskins should be the least concerned because, you know, like you said, they do have three quarterbacks, and that means they have none. But the expectation level, other than head coach Jay Gruden, there's not a ton there. There there's hope that Dwayne Haskins can step up and be the guy eventually, but you have Colt McCoy who has proven to be a capable backup quarterback. He's won 40% of his games under Jay Gruden. And that's not going to get you to the playoffs, but it could at least, you know, give you some sort of hope. And then Case Keenum. He was not as good with the Broncos last year, and his Viking season was probably a fluke. But what if it's not? What if he does have something in him? Uh, the Redskins have a guy who could potentially come in and make them a competitive team. Now, he certainly doesn't have the same kind of uh, weapons or defense in Washington that he had in Minnesota, but I think having a guy like Keenum who has had success recently, it gives enough of a reason to say that the Redskins shouldn't be too concerned about their quarterback situation right now. If Haskins turns out to be a bust then long-term, we could be saying differently, but for now, just the lack of pressure makes me think that they should be the least concerned.
1: I uh, honestly, I think the Cowboys should be uh, the least concerned uh, because I think I like Dak a little more than the general uh, person. Uh, He's had, I don't know with uh, Jason Witten coming back and being a little bit more of like a security blanket type option and support, like assuming they have Zeke that he's in a good situation. So, I think he's the type of quarterback who can play at a higher level when surrounded by that type of talent. Uh, So, I'm feeling like they should be the most confident again because the other options are not great either. I mean, they're rookies. So,
2: I do agree with both of you guys that in the short term, the least one I'd be concerned about is like you said, Ben, it was the Cowboys of Dak. But in the long term, yeah, I do agree with you, Corey, that out of when it comes to Dak, Zeke, and Amari. If you ask me which one am I not keeping and replacing, I would definitely try to find a replacement for Dak if I had to pick one of the three because I'm assuming they're not going to sign all three guys.
0: Yeah, and so the reason why I'm not we're saying that why I'm not choosing Dallas for least concern is a little bit of the timing of the recording because if they're able to lock up Ezekiel or at least get him on the team this year and uh, know that you're going to have Amari Cooper around as well then you're right for 2019 the Cowboys should be in good shape with Dak Prescott as their quarterback but until that happens there has to be a little bit of a, a worry there that you're not going to have the you're the best players surrounding Dak Prescott that he probably needs to be a top level quarterback in this league
2: you want to see more of him of what he did in his rookie season than what he's done the other the other seasons yeah because
0: i mean even last season he only he had two monster games when he threw for 455 yards against the eagles in week 14 and 387 against the giants week 17 outside of that he was under 300 and he had a lot of games where he was barely at or even below 200 so I do think that there's uh, certainly some reasons to to question Dak Prescott long term, uh, and you, you do need to see a big season out of him, and unfortunately, I think they're going to have to pay him before that happens. All right, so let's uh, move on to the new addition that we believe will have the biggest impact. So Ben, we'll let you lead off with the NFC East.
1: Yeah, this was one of the more surprising departures for me was, I mean, it was part of the Giants making horrible decisions. But now that Landon Collins is on the Redskins, I think he can make a huge impact and uh, make that defense a lot better. I, I Seriously, Landon Collins is one of the most talented young safeties in this league. And uh, I, I think that he is, even though I don't think that defense is going to be all that good, I trust Landon Collins to be a playmaker uh, from sideline to sideline. He's He's got a lot of... he's. Got a lot of range and coverage, but he's also an amazing enforcer uh, inside the box. Who he can stop the run and he can punish uh, the ball carrier. So I think Landon Collins would be the biggest impact uh, for the Redskins.
2: One signing that I really liked was the Eagles signing Malik Jackson uh, to a three-year deal. Uh, he was on that Broncos team that beat the Patriots in the AFC Championship game a few years ago and went on to win the Super Bowl. He was on the Jags team a uh, couple, couple years ago when the Jags were the number one defense, and they, comp- they played the Patriots at Foxborough in the AFC Championship game and lost, but almost made the Super Bowl, the Jags, with Blake Bortles, uh, almost making the Super Bowl. Uh, mind-blowing. And now he's joining an Eagles team that, the same Eagles team that did beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl the following uh, weeks later, and he's joining a defensive line that has Fletcher Cox, Derek Barnett, and Brandon Graham I'm all about that signing so I'm going to go with Malik Jackson as the player that makes the biggest impact in that division
0: yeah so I'm also going to stick with the Eagles uh, last season they were 28th in the league in rushing the leading rusher was Josh Adams at just 511 yards they traded for Jordan Howard from the Chicago Bears who clearly was no longer a fit in Matt Nagy's offense there But the player that I'm looking at is Miles Sanders, who is our second-round draft pick, and I believe that he will sooner rather than later take over as the number one running back in Philly. They have a lot of options. Uh, Beyond just Howard, Darren Sproles is still coming out for another season. They have Corey Clement, Wendell Smallwood. They have a lot of guys who can certainly take some touches. But if I look at Miles Sanders and just what he was capable of doing in – at Penn State, uh, filling in for Saquon Barkley this past season. He's just a dynamic rusher, and I think he's someone that the Eagles are really going to rely on, and I can see him having a huge impact on this team right away uh, at a position where they've, they've had minimal impact uh, in the last 16 games. All right, so lastly, who or what will determine a successful season for each team? So let's start off with the defending champions, the Dallas Cowboys.
2: I think for I mean I've said it already in earlier in the episode, but it's really if Zeke plays or doesn't play, if they do sign him or he's just sitting out like on did last year. Uh, even though I don't value the running back position as much as other positions like quarterback or or corner or or rush pass rusher, I I do think Zeke is that important to their team. So it's whether or not they sign him or not.
1: Yeah, mine is kind of along those lines. Figuring out who in the big three uh, in Dallas that you want. Uh, I don't know if it's possible to keep all three, but if it isn't, uh, making a confident choice in the players that you want carrying you forward. Um, because those guys, when they're all three out there, they can they change who the Dallas Cowboys are. A da- Amari Cooper's presence last season was huge. And uh, I think if they want to continue to be dominant, they have to figure those three guys out.
0: Yeah, so... Those three guys uh, together on the field make the Cowboys great, but they can't do it without an amazing or at least a, a solid offensive line. And the Cowboys have had one of the best in the league in prior years. Last season, they were more uh, middle of the pack. A lot of that was because uh, Zach, or not Zach Martin, Travis Frederick was out for the entire season with a Liz Frank injury he's back. They're hoping that he can be healthy. And if the Cowboys have a strong offensive line, there are some stats out there to prove that it's not necessarily just Ezekiel Elliott being a great running back, but they have other guys who can come in behind them and still have success. So to me, it's can the offensive line stay healthy and can they get back to being one of the best in the league?
2: One more thing I'd like to mention about the Cowboys. I'd like to see if uh, Cowboy great Uh, Jason Witten can bounce back from last season. Uh, Doing a very uh pretty bad job in the in the booth last season in ESPN. What was it again, Ben? Rabbit out of his head? Yeah,
1: he, he said that Aaron <laughs> Rodgers pulled a rabbit out of his head. Is uh <laughs> so uh, Jason Witten is definitely eligible for comeback player of the year, right? Um, because he's he could c- coming back from like such a detrimental like awful season he had last year, uh, and being like even remotely competent would be such an improvement that like he'd be a shoe in for comeback player of the year. I think.
2: Zero touchdowns, 16 fumbles lost, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, uh, you went zero for uh, 42 on completing sentences on Monday Night Football. So it's, uh, yeah, he could, I think, yeah, maybe a sleeper pick for Comeback Player of the Year.
0: All right, let's uh, move on to the the New York Giants next.
1: Um, I think the Giants, who have a very successful season, should they win three games?
2: Yeah, I think a successful (laughs) season. I think a successful season for the Giants is if Daniel Jones does not suck and get booed off the field.
0: Yeah, I guess to go more general, the the quarterback play, whether it's Eli Manning still having something left in the tank, which I don't believe he does, or Daniel Jones being competent, showing that the Giants maybe knew what they were doing by taking him with the sixth overall pick, and you know setting themselves up in a position where they can feel good about their quarterback play moving forward from here. Uh, so next, Philadelphia Eagles, and, and I'm gonna go ahead and start with this one. It's Carson Wentz being healthy and back to the player he was before his injury. And Ben and I voice our concerns about this already. If he struggles, then the Eagles are gonna be in a world of hurt. But if he is able to play well and stay on the field, I think the Eagles win this division. So
2: to right. me, it's just and, Carson Wentz. I don't. Even, I don't even know what the second biggest concern is because it's it's a landslide that yeah if Wentz is gonna stay healthy for all 16 games or not
1: but I also think I, I just in terms of measuring this season whether it's successful or not I, I also think they need to win the division I think they uh if they if they do have a healthy Carson Wentz all year they should uh expect themselves to be able to best the Cowboys and uh take the division title
0: no team has won the NFC East back-to-back year since the Eagles did in 2003 and 2004, so history says it's not going to be the Cowboys, and unless we think that the Giants or Redskins have a solid quarterback, is certainly reason to believe it's the Eagles who should be the favorite. And lastly, let's talk about those Washington Redskins and who or what determines their success this season.
2: Uh, if they can get the first overall pick next season, that's what will determine their success or failure. Wow. <laughs> well
0: why why do the Redskins need the first overall pick because they just drafted Dwayne Haskins?
2: I don't know. Best player. <laughs> they got get a good lineman or something. Or trade back. <laughs> oh yeah, get a bunch of bunch of picks, right. Exactly, trade back and get load up on a lot of first and second round third round picks.
1: Um, for me, I think that the uh, a successful season is handing the keys to Dwayne Haskins before the end of the year. Uh, get that guy comfortable with being in charge of this team. Uh, you know, m- maybe seeing him out there this year might be a little bit ahead of schedule, but I mean, all the better uh, for the f- for getting this franchise back on track.
0: I don't necessarily think the Redskins need to rush Dwayne Haskins onto the field. Uh, I think they have three quarterbacks who could really go in any direction and because of that I think what's going to determine uh, them actually having success is their wide receivers because the Redskins wide receivers have not been very good in recent years but Josh Doxson after two eh, maybe okay seasons after doing absolutely nothing as a rookie he could be poised to break out this year and really show that he was worth the first round pick that the Redskins invested him into that 2016. They also have a, a handful of uh, veteran receivers, Trey Quinn. He's a guy who was injured last year, but they're
2: Jordan Jordan Reed as yeah, well. Yeah, so Jordan was... Reed a
0: tight end, but like specifically wide receivers Trey Quinn and Paul Richardson, another one who they brought over from Seattle, uh wasn't a star last season by any stretch, but they they're gonna hope that he plays well. And they also drafted two rookie wide receivers and third round pick, uh Terry McLaurin out of Ohio State and sixth rounder Kelvin Harmon out of NC State. So I think if those guys can, you know, someone can step up and prove that they're really good and they can help their quarterback, whoever it may be, then that's what the Redskins are going to need. Their running back situation seems pretty good with Adrian Peterson, a healthy Darius Geis, uh, as well as Chris Thompson. They need the receivers. They need to be able to move the ball through the air, regardless of who's playing quarterback. And that's, that's what it's going to come down to.
2: I think for Haskins, I mean, He's gonna play at some point this year, I th- I think, or I believe that. Uh, I just think it's they he want. I think they want to prove that uh, he can play in this league, or he wants to prove that he can play in this league and just not get injured like RG three and cre- his career is over by year three or four.
1: All right. Right. I just don't have any faith at all in the other two quarterbacks, Colt McCoy or Case Keenum. So. Um again maybe it's just week 17 but to see Dwayne Haskins be like their choice moving forward definitively in this season I think would be a good you know obviously a good thing for the for the skins
0: all right so that wraps up our NFC East preview Uh, before we wrap up the episode let's move on to the top five And as part of this NFL series, we're going to actually do NFL-themed top fives. And this week, we're going to count down our favorite jerseys across the league in today's top five. Not two, not three, not four. Top five, top five, top five. All right, so Ben, why don't you start us off today?
1: Okay, um, my number five, and uh, this one was one I had to be reminded of when I was looking up jerseys, was the Packers throwback jerseys. And this one is just because it's so simple. So this is the, uh, I don't know, is that dark blue um, and yellow like detail on it? Um, I don't know if it's hard to describe, but I'm talking about the like version of it that it's like dark blue pretty much everywhere except right on the chest where there's a circle that contains the number. Very simplistic, very different from most NFL jerseys. Have usually have a lot more going on and it's kind of a throwback to like the leatherhead days because the uh, the helmets don't have anything on them either. They're solid color. I've seen them play in uh, yellow helmets and also brown helmets. And uh, for me, it's just a throwback to the uh, the old days when George Clooney used to play football uh, in the Leatherhead days, and uh, it's uh, it's just a different look, something I like to see every once in a while when the Packers pull those out. Uh, my number four was one that I saw in a lot of top lists near very near the top uh when i was looking i didn't look at you guys' lists but i looked at other people's on the on the uh internet and i saw this one near the top of a lot but the chargers powder blue um which i agree is is a definitely a beautiful looking jersey and um also i just love how the chargers have like the lightning on their jerseys. I think that's like a really cool aspect of it. I wish somebody was fire themed and had like flames, like a freaking Guy Fieri jersey or something. Uh, But the powder blues are dope and uh, they're number four on my top five list. Number three is the Panthers black, uh, like uniform. And I, and I'm talking about the full black where the pants are also black. Um, I think especially Cam Newton, just being a huge dude, like he is, they look so menacing in their, um, all black unis with just like, it has like the blue stripe on his shoulders. And, um, and it's one that I really like, even though I'm not a huge Panthers fan, I do really like that loadout for them. Um, coming in at number two, big homerism here, but I, I also think that there's some truth to this. Uh, just the 49ers home uniform, the the red and gold looks, uh, it's just a classic look. When you, when you look at that, you're like, oh yes, this is uh, 80s football right here. And uh, it, it's, a, I, it's just a classic look. The Niners have looked the same for a very long time. Um, which can make them frustrating to play as on your Madden franchise. But I think that it's a classic look that doesn't need to change. And it's number two on my top five. And coming in at number one is the Rams blue and yellow. Uh, It's for me, this is almost like a throwback to high school uh, football with how bright these are. And uh, I, and I love to see them play in these colors. I like them so much more than their actual, or maybe not actual, but their like default colors uh, that are like darker and like just <laughs> honestly dimmer. Like it just looks like someone turned the lights off when they have the other jerseys on, like the navy blue and like tan. So I think they should stick to just the blue and yellow and uh, be those classic L.A. Rams forever uh, at my number one spot for NFL uniforms.
0: I certainly would would like to see the Rams wear those jerseys a lot more. And they're going to be redesigning their uniforms in 2020, and there's a reason to believe that they will be uh, based off of these jerseys than the dimmer ones that you just described. So I'll go next at number five. I'm going with the Dolphins Orange Alternate, and I don't know how many lists have this high up there. Uh, I've seen it described by Dolphins fans as hideously beautiful. and <laughs> For the longest time, I always loved this jersey and I, it just occurred to me uh, when we were assembling this list. The reason is because in December of 2004, the 2-11 and Dolphins defeated the 12-1 and Patriots on Monday Night Football wearing these jerseys. And at the time, I thought that was such a really cool upset that I just, every time I see those, I just, I'm like, that is awesome. Like, I love these jerseys. And, uh, there's certainly a reason why other people wouldn't have them, but I think my, my little bias took over in my head, and I, I'll put them on my list at number five here. Number four, I'll go with the Eagles Kelly Green throwback jerseys. Now, a lot of teams, when they become uh, you know, more, more new, they, more modern looks, they are better. And the current Eagles green is fine, but the Kelly green, I just think it's such a better color and I would love to see the Eagles go back to them fully as their home uniforms. Number three, I'm going with the Seahawks Navy and Action Green home jerseys. The Action Green color is maybe a lot in the color rush, but I think it's such a nice accent color to go with their Navy jerseys. I I think that they're, they're the one team that really made the biggest change in 2012 when Nike became the jersey partner for the nfl and
2: it's it's, it's so much better than their previous jerseys yeah when, during agree. the matt hasselbeck years i, I, I just like their jerseys i actually so had a matt
0: modern. hasselbeck jersey like the old one back in the day um oh, wow. <laughs> yeah but i i, I do think it, it would be much better to have a more modernized uh, russell wilson jersey um number two Cowboys, Navy and Silver alternate. If we were just going with teams overall uniform combinations, Cowboys would be number one on my list. It was tough to choose just one of them. But I I just love that Navy and Silver alternate. I would like to see them wear it a lot more than they do. Uh, I think it's such a a classic look, uh, very sleek combo of colors. And uh, that's why it comes in at number two, but it's not number one. Because the best jerseys in all of football are the Chargers powder blue that are officially their home jerseys for this season. No longer just alternates, which is a great decision. They're Chris Berman's favorite jerseys. And we all know that Boomer knows what he's talking about when it comes to football. Ben having them at number four, I think, is way too low. They're number one. I actually had a Ladanian Tomlinson Chargers powder blue jersey as a kid and uh, I would certainly buy another one this day just because I think it's such a great color and a great overall look.
2: So for my list at number five, I went with the Cowboys white and blue jerseys that you see every single week. It's just what I like about it is that it's really simple, but at the same time, it's the one jersey that I really like to see both at home and on the road. They're probably, I think they're the one team in football that has white primarily white jerseys yeah i think they on are on their home on their home field uh, i know you talked about the navy and silver alternate ones but i and you want to see that jersey more and maybe it is a good uh change of look but i just really do really like the 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 primary white and blue uh, jersey that they always wear so i went with them as my number five and my number four Corey. you already talked about this but i went with the eagles green throwback and like yeah the the, the ones that they have right now are fine, but when I look back on past Eagles clips, whether if it's watching Invincible or watching actual football, f- other football film, I really, really do like that the the brighter green uh, Eagles throwback jerseys th- jerseys that they had in the past. Uh, so I went with them as my number four, and my number three. Ben already talked about this, but I went with the Rams blue and yellow home jerseys that they have now. I love that jersey a lot. i watching that Super Bowl, even though it was one of those boring games I've ever watched. I did, I did like seeing that color on on that side of the field uh, for the Rams. And good, uh, I, good choice. Yeah, and seeing them in see, you know, seeing past clips of Super Bowl 36 the, with the Patriots and the Rams again. I don't, I didn't love that jersey where it wasn't as bright of blue or yellow or really any yellow at all. Uh, it was probably more brown than. Anything and not yellow and the ones that they have now are awesome. I I they should stick with that jersey forever, if they're as long as they're in LA. Uh or well, it doesn't matter where I guess, as long as they're the Rams. So I went with them as my number three. My number two, I went with the Packers, green and yellow home jerseys. They've had that jersey forever, ever since the early Brett Favre years when they won the the Super Bowl twenty plus years ago, and I just love how much the green sticks out at Lambeau and uh, and I'm just a huge fan of that jersey. And so I went them, them as my number two. And number one, you guys talked about bias in, <laughs> in your list. I mean, I put the Patriots' red throwback as my number one. And am I saying that I want to see them as the primary home jersey? No, I like their jersey. I'm a huge fan of their jersey already. But I do, I did love seeing the Patriots occasionally uh, for home games where, go with the red throwback during the Moss Um, Randy Moss, Wes Welker years, and I think that they should bring it back occasionally. I'm not, again, not saying every single game or every single home game, but just bring it back for one or two games every year, uh, because I'm definitely a huge fan of the red throwback jerseys that they have. So I went with the Patriots red throwback as my number one choice.
0: I actually read a list uh, when I was trying to get ideas for jerseys, and uh, someone ranked the Patriots as the 32nd jerseys in the league which I, I don't agree with at all i think the jaguars are far and away the worst
2: i, I was i was honestly just about to say the jags are bucks it's gotta be one of those two.
1: I yeah think. for me it's the bucks but like i feel like if somebody's ranking the patriots at 32 that's like a salty fan that's someone who's like they're 32 because they've won too many yeah series. it was <laughs>
2: nbc
0: sports washington too which like felt like kind of an irrelevant place to do that um, i also read a, a ranking where it's like the each team's best Alternate jersey and the the Jaguars, they just put their stadium and said, "I will not say anything." The Jaguars have ever worn is good look.
2: (laughs) Didn't didn't the Jaguars last year on Twitter? They posted a picture of their their quote unquote new home jerseys for next season. They did it as a joke, but then all of a sudden the Jags fans were like, "Wait, these jerseys are better. Let's (laughs) use these jerseys." (laughs) The Jags team did it as a joke, but their fans actually preferred that jersey more.
1: Yeah, I mean
0: it's hard to come up with something that isn't better than what they've thrown out there.
1: Yes, but uh, speaking of alternates, I was really surprised once I saw your list, Corey, that... I didn't see the uh, Steelers alternate Bumblebee, Bumblebee. jersey. Uh, like, I expect <laughs> that to be like number one. And I maybe hate the Bumblebee All, Bumblebees, Bumblebees, yes, all yeah. top five. No,
0: I <laughs> I do think that's a really good jersey, but I think the only reason why I do is because my team wears it and I definitely understand why people don't like it. Uh, if we went full uniforms, the Steelers would have been in my top five, but I think the, the plain uh, black home jersey alone was just not quite up there to make my top five. So before we wrap things up, I would like to be the first to wish Ben a very happy birthday, turning 24 on Friday, August 9th, potentially the day you're listening to this Uh, and go ahead and give him a a shout out on Twitter at fourth and Ben wish him a a very special day. Thanks, Corey. Yeah. Do you have any uh, big birthday wishes for this year?
1: Uh, if I say them, they won't come true, um, but just being here talking sports to you guys uh, is all I could ever want, so um, I'm already happy.
2: Okay, so the 49ers are definitely winning the Super Bowl, then <laughs> he's not going to say his wish, so <laughs> going to start putting my money on them right now.
0: <laughs> all right, so next week, we will get to you with our AFC North and NFC North preview. Uh, already looking forward to that. You can... Uh, Catch us weekly for at least the next few weeks while we go through these NFL season previews. So, for Benjamin Carlson and Brian Wells, I'm Corinne Navani. Thanks, everyone.